0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, October the 20th, 2022. It is currently 12.05 p.m. Central time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I absolutely love technology I love seeing what new things are coming out I like trying and testing things I like seeing how things develop what how things improve I love technology now maybe there's are certain areas of technology that maybe I'm not as interested in like I don't I'm not much interested or really care what kind of technology comes to cars because cars irritate me they're expensive upkeep. All I care about a car is it will get me from point A to point B. That's all I care about. So I, so there I may not care. But most of the time, if uh, if there's something new comes out, even if I may not use it, even if I may not care, I at least want to know about it. I want to know about the new developments, the new technology, the new advancements in areas of technology. And of course, I absolutely love medical advancements medical breakthroughs oh i love that when they okay we've got a new way to test for this disease it's you know it's it's an easy test it's not painful it's simple it's not humiliating but it will it, it gives a, like a 98 99% accuracy in detecting this disease which could save you know thousands hundreds of thousands millions of lives by early detection well that's That's awesome. That's great. Or wait, we've got a possible cure for this disease. We've got a breakthrough. Well, that's awesome. That's amazing. I mean, I would love to see medical breakthroughs that eradicate cancer and and so many different things. So I love technology and I love medical breakthrough and medical advancements. But what happens when technology, medicine, scientific experiments all come together to do things that maybe, maybe there's something amazing coming down the line that's, that, that's going to arise from this. There's some amazing breakthrough, some amazing development that's going to be advantageous to everyone in the world. Maybe something great is coming along the lines. But in the meantime, the medical, the technology, the experimentation, it all comes together to begin to do things that are not only questionable, they're not only a little concerning, they're not only a little disturbing, but they raise questions like, wait, is that a human being? Do we view that as a human being? Can they be saved? Do they have a soul? How do we understand that now? They they were made, they were created in a sense, they were they they were they're the product of some scientific experimentation and technology, but are they truly human? We 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 begin to what is what does it mean to be human? They raise these major questions about humanity and what it means to be human, and do they have a soul? They raise questions about the definition of a human. They raise questions about theology and God and salvation, when 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 technology and medical experimentation and and medical breakthrough, and all of this stuff comes together, it raises some questions. And, and I've been talking about this, it feels like, for a very long time. I don't think people, I think sometimes when I talk about these things, people think, man, for someone who doesn't really like conspiracy theories, you're out there way off and left field. Why are you, nobody cares about that stuff. But I think we need to care because I think that, I'm not saying tomorrow, I'm not saying five years from now, but the day is coming where the church is going to have to answer some very difficult questions about, wait, is that a human? Is, is that a human being? Do they have a soul? And I, I, I don't know if the church will be prepared for it because to me, the church has ignored a lot of it, a lot of what's happening and not really trying to address it. Oh, there are times some will address it, but I don't know if the church is at large. Now, what What? What am I talking about? Maybe you know, maybe you understand. If you're listening to me on Spreaker, you see the headline, you see the title of this podcast episode, and you're probably like, what is going on? But we have to talk about it because early this morning, I was confronted with this. Here you go. You ready? This is from Nature. Com. This is from the journal Nature, nature.com. This was published October the 12th, 2022. My understanding is that yesterday in the printed edition of USA Today, they did almost like a two-page article about this. If anyone can find a, a printed copy of the USA Today newspaper, if you can find a printed copy If you work in a hospital, a lot of times they put papers or magazines in the waiting areas. If you can just start walking through all the waiting areas and see if there's a copy of the USA Today newspaper from yesterday. If your job gets the—I don't know where you may be today, but if you come across the USA Today printed newspaper, please get it and take a screenshot— of the two pages that relate to what I'm about to speak of because I want to see it. I want to see it. I I currently don't have a car because if I did, I would start driving around Abilene, Texas saying, does anyone have a copy of USA Today from yesterday? The printed copy, not the digital copy, the printed copy. And uh, well, people would probably say, be quiet and roll up your window. Okay, but, but I really want to find this, all right? Because hey, come on. Come on, Theology Central listeners, you're the best researchers in the world. You're my research team. We need a copy of the USA Today newspaper from yesterday because they cover this here. But I'm looking at it from the journal Nature. Here is the headline Human brain cells implanted in, rat- in rats prompt excitement and concern. I want you to hear that again. This is from the the journal Nature, right? Nature.com. You can find the article. Again, USA Today, the newspaper, supposedly did like two pages on this yesterday. I want to find it, but here we go. Human brain cells implanted in rats prompt excitement and concern. Now, I want to make this very clear cuz I don't want anyone to accuse me of hyperbole or exaggeration. I'm not saying that to, I'm not saying that tomorrow, huh, I'm saying that today I may lose my voice. I'm not saying that tomorrow it's going to happen, but this is another step towards. It's another step forward. It's another step in the direction of what happens when we have something standing there that we are like it's part animal, it's part man, it's some hybrid do we see it as a, a human being with a human soul? Do we do we reject its humanity? What rights? The, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying we're 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 moving in that direction. And we've been moving in the direction for a long time. I've done podcast episodes about this kind of thing, about this kind of animal, man, hybrid, transhumanism. I've done a I've done a lot of things. I, I won't say I've done a lot because I because I know that typically the numbers are are way down on those topics, that people aren't interested in it, or be like, why are you talking about it on a theology podcast? I'm like, well, theology, (laughs) I I think it is proper for a theology podcast to talk about it, right? This is, from a, when you think of theology, theology speaks about the nature of man, about the human soul, about salvation. So I think theology should be talking about this, and I think the church should be talking about it. So here we go. I'm going to give you some basic information, but I'm very happy to report that, well, a a very popular Christian podcast discussed this this morning, and we will review, critique, and analyze what he had to say. If you have the Sermons 2.0 app, I would tell you to subscribe to the podcast I'm going to mention in just a minute uh, because it should be on your feed every morning. You really should listen to it every day. Even if you don't agree, it helps you keep up with what's going on in the world from a biblical and theological perspective. But here we go. All right. So once again, from the Nature Journal, human brain cells implanted in rats prompt excitement. Now the excitement will be, hey, this could lead to some great medical breakthrough. We may be able to understand diseases. We may be able to come up with a cure. Again, I understand that and I want diseases cured, but I can understand the concerns because just here's, here's a question. What percentage of human brain cells placed into a rat before the rat has to be considered partially human? Or does that even matter? Here we go. But here's a little bit what they say here. Rats, rat-human hybrid brains. That's literally right under the headline. Rat-human hybrid brains offer new ways to study human neurological disorders, but also raise ethical questions. Now, when I saw that, I had to stop for a second. Neurological disorders, human neurological disorders. Well, you're listening to someone who suffers from human neurological disorders. What made this maybe even more of a connection to me is late last night, early this morning, I was having some neurological issues. For many of you know, I have a seizure disorder. I have seizures. Now, everything started, I can go all the way back in the military when everything happened and in my military career, medically retired, declared 100% disabled, but I have neurological issues, right? Right. And I have a seizure disorder where who knows when, who knows why. I'm going to drop on the floor, start flopping around, and go through all the humiliation that happens after a seizure. Sometimes weird things happen. I, I can tell you the story. I don't, me- I don't remember how long ago it was. It was a couple of years ago. And I don't know what happened. I have no idea to this day what happened. But I ended up getting in a car, driving to Pizza Hut getting a pizza, left the car, left the car now uh, and, and ended up finding my way back home without the car. Um, I, uh, only thing I remember is almost getting hit by a car walking across the street. And, and when we say it, it was, a, it's a long, it's a pretty good distance to the closest pizza hut. Now, when, when people tried to put the pieces together, cause they didn't, nobody knew where I was. I was just missing. Nobody knew where I was. I left my wallet. Okay. So I had no money. Um, but somehow I made it to Pizza Hut. Somehow I made it with a the pizza. They went back to Pizza Hut to go, Hey, did he pay for it? Nobody even remembered seeing me, which is bizarre. I still don't know how I got the pizza. But I made, I made it back. I don't even made it back home. I don't even know why I went to get pizza. Why wouldn't I just have it delivered? Anyone who knows me knows that would be my first thought. But I make it to pizza. Again, no money. I drive a car there. I leave the car. I make it back home. All because of these neurological issues where sometimes I don't know what's going on. Bizarre. So you know what? I would love there to be a medical breakthrough. That we can study human neurological disorders and find a way to cure them and a way to fix them. But how far do we go to accomplish that? How far are you willing to go to cure childhood cancer? Do we create a rat-human hybrid? I want to eliminate suffering, but... What ethical lines should be crossed? Human brain cells implanted in rats prompt excitement and concern. Rat-human hybrid brain offer new ways to study human neurological disorders, but also raise ethical questions. Again, USA Today in the printed copy yesterday supposedly had like two pages on there and they address some of the ethical concerns. Obviously, they didn't address the theological concerns. But this morning, the podcast The Briefing by Dr. Albert Moeller started their episode with this issue, and we're going to listen to some of it. He probably knows, he may even know more about this than I do. I've been following the subject. By no means do I feel like I'm an expert on it, but I just... Here, My concern is like, you can pass all the laws and say, well, they're never going to allow this or never No, if, if the technology is there, I don't care if there's a thousand laws. Someone will use the technology to, to clone, create hybrids. I, they're going to start doing all kinds of things. And, and it may be done underground and it may be done illegally, but sooner or later it will be made public. And we're going to be left with like, what and the, how do we understand that. that is something we need to think about today. Not then. We don't need to be reactive. We we need to be proactive and trying to develop maybe kind of a theological understanding of how we, what do we do with a rat-human hybrid? Can a human brain cells put inside a rat. How about genetic engineering? I, mean, I can just raise all kinds of ethical questions. What if? What if? Right there, m- before a baby is born, they can go in and modify the DNA, modify uh, the chromosomes, modify the genetic makeup of a child so that it will not get this disease, will not get this disease, basically almost create super babies that can, have, that can stay away from all any genetic weaknesses, right? They'll never get, uh, if they're a male, they'll never get baldness, or they'll never, never, all the different things that we want, their eyesight's always gonna be perfect, or they're, they're gonna look perfect. Like, we create basic genetic superhumans. Is, is that going to, is that playing God? Well, let's listen to what Dr. Albert Mueller had to say in regards to this story today. And uh, well, well, we'll see what we can discover. I'm still waiting. Um, nobody has knocked on my door yet with a copy of today's edition of the USA Today newspaper. So I'm, I'm disappointed in my audience because you guys are supposed to be the best and nobody is knocking on my door yet with a copy. I'm looking out the window right now. Nobody. Well, what's wrong with you guys? Hurry up. I want a copy of this newspaper. Okay, all right. Here we go. All right. Someone just said, um, all right. Oh, someone, someone from Indiana says they can get me one. Okay, well, I can is not I am. I don't need I can. I need I am. I'm on my way. I'm there right now. I'm holding it in my hands. That's what I need. What are you doing? Okay, someone else says, I've always said, if we're talking about something uh talking about something tech or science related, it's already been uh, going on in secret for a while now. You're probably that's probably very, very, very true. Especially in China. There's been some some things happening in China, and then the one scientist who was involved in doing it, well, he disappeared. So yeah, we, we remember we we followed that story. We followed that story, and and, uh, Dr. Albert Moeller is going to mention that. But here we go. Enough of me when we can listen to Dr. Albert Moeller, because all of you probably like him far more than you like me. I understand, okay? But here we go. We're going to take this apart. Thinking caps on. I know. You probably weren't expecting to hear about human brain cells inside a a rat today uh, on the Theology Central podcast. The problem is I don't think anyone ever expects that expects that on a theology podcast, and I think it needs to be co- become more prominent. So I'm very grateful for Dr. Albert Moeller addressing this today because far more people listen to him than will ever listen to me. So if he can get people thinking about it, then uh, maybe we can get the church to start considering how we're going to approach this in the future. But here we go.
0: It's Thursday, October 20, 2022. I'm Albert Moeller, and this is The Briefing. A-
1: the Briefing, that's the name of the podcast. If you, again, if you have, if you have the Sermons 2.0 app, please follow him. And then every morning in your feed, the tab says feed, the new episode will be waiting for you right there in your feed. And of course, you should subscribe to the Theology Central podcast on the Sermons 2.0 app, because if you don't do that... <laughs> that I'm hurt. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Back this up a little bit. Here we go. I'm Albert
0: Muller, and this is The Briefing, a daily analysis of news and events from a Christian worldview. Thinking biblically, operating, thinking out of a Christian worldview often comes down not only to making correct affirmations, but making correct
1: distinctions. Now, that's interesting. If you're going to have a correct biblical worldview, if you're going to look at things biblically, Correct affirmations, but correct distinctions. Are we good at making correct distinctions? Well, the the Bible talks about the Bible kind of makes distinctions, right? Doesn't it? It it makes distinctions. I'm thinking, let me see here. I'm not going to say it until I read it really quick to myself because I don't want to say it and then when I turn there. And you're like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. But I think it does. Um, okay, well, okay. The 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 uh, this translation uses a different language. I'm going to use it. I'm going to read it from both. But everyone probably knows the verse, Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two, uh, any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as. Okay, it uses this word, the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God, in a sense, makes distinction. It separates, it distinct; it it draws distinction. It sees the distinction. It identifies the distinction. So are we good as Christians in making the correct affirmations and making the correct distinctions? In a sense, we've been talking about making a correct distinction between law and gospel, Right. So maybe this fits. So I just think that's interesting that a that a part of a correct biblical worldview is correct affirmations and correct distinctions. All right, let's continue.
0: One of the most interesting issues about Genesis chapter one, and this continues throughout the scripture, it's just so plain in the scripture's first chapter, Genesis chapter one. It's just so interesting to see how much attention in the literary structure of that text is given to distinctions. The distinction between the heavens above and the earth beneath the distinctions between the dry land and the sea, the distinctions between the animals that are created for God's glory, along with the rest of creation and human beings made in God's image. And then of course, there is the distinction between male and female, absolutely central to understanding a biblical
1: worldview. Now that. This morning, that got my attention. I was like, that's interesting. Genesis does make lots of distinctions in in chapter one. I mean, we could go through and and make a list of all the, I would challenge you, go through and make a list of all the distinctions, all the distinctions. And so, a biblical worldview is maintaining those proper distinctions, where culture who abandons a biblical worldview, obviously, or never even had a biblical worldview, they will... Destroy those distinctions. Well, we could argue that we live in a culture that is trying to destroy the distinction between male and female. Well, if that is true, then wouldn't the next step be to destroy the distinction between man and animal? Oh, I mean, something to consider. I, I, that's, I, I see this is why I love listening to podcasts and listening to different things to get my mind thinking. And uh, I think that's, I think that's something to consider. Let's see where he goes. I I know if I, at this rate, we will finish this tomorrow, but okay, let's continue.
0: But as we're thinking about the distinctions that are revealed in Scripture, and in particular, even in Genesis chapter 1, we understand that some of the most vexing issues facing us today are efforts to try to deny those distinctions or to confuse those distinctions. Now, interestingly enough, A major issue related to those distinctions, the distinction in particular between animals and human beings, one of the most interesting issues right now is the use of animal and human tissues in medical research or in scientific or biological research. But it's almost always packaged as medical research because the rationale given for these experiments is that somehow they might lead to therapeutic interventions and treatments for vexing human diseases and syndromes. So the argument is it is worth it to test these boundaries because there just might be an efficacious, a very productive medical breakthrough that will come by means of the experiment of combining animal and human tissues, animal and human cells, or, as is the frontline case right now, putting human brain cells into other
1: animals. So the kind of the philosophical argument would be one of kind of pragmatism, Well, I mean, pragmatically, this has to be right, because look at its benefits. Look at the benefits that's going to come from it. Pragmatically, why would you be opposed to this? Because look at the benefits. Just remember, the Christian worldview does not operate from the perspective of pragmatism. We reject that as a fraudulent way of thinking. That would be a wrong philosophy, but the church has been using pragmatism Forever, hey, hey, let's do this. It'll grow the church. As long as it grows the church, pragmatically, it's right. So, we if you go with today's focus, Colossians two eight, right? Don't don't let uh, don't be spoiled by or taken captive by philosophy. I keep wanting to say vain philosophy. You can go back and listen to that this morning. But this kind of goes with that idea that that this is kind of a using pragmatism to justify. The putting of human brain cells inside a rat, but look, look at the possible benefits. So that that that's a philosophy that Christians have to be make sure that our Christian life is not lived through or, or by the lens of pragmatism, because that will, in a sense, spoil us. That in a sense will bring us into captivity to an unbiblical worldview. I, he'll he'll speak more of this in just a second.
0: Now, right now, the most important other animal into which human brain cells are being inserted are rats. Now, if that shocks you, the reason why rats are being used right now is because, well, number one, it's not considered unethical under many conditions to conduct medical experiments on rats. And secondly, rats are small and they develop very,
1: very quickly. Just please note, it's not considered unethical under certain conditions, but this is important. Just remember... The ethics of humanity are fluctuating. They're always, they're always in, in, in flux. They're always evolving. They're always changing. Biblical ethics are supposed to remain constant and consistent and never change. So whenever we see, so society will determine ethics based off majority, well, how all the different ways they will try to determine ethics. But from a Christian perspective, we don't follow the ethics of society. We're supposed to follow the ethics of the Bible. Now, we fall short of those ethics, obviously. That's why we need Christ. But just so that you understand
0: that. One of the problems in working with other animals is that their gestation and their physical development take a very long time. Not so with rats. Rats are the sprinters when it comes to physical development. Now, it's also really interesting that a major report on this ethical issue has appeared in a frankly unlikely place. That place is in the editorial section of USA Today. USA Today is a very liberal newspaper, but it doesn't often go in-depth into this kind of issue. There has to be some reason why this article appeared in yesterday's print edition of USA Today. Karen,
1: Yesterday's print edition of USA Today. That would be Wednesday, October the 19th. None of my listeners have shown up at my front door yet with a copy. I need a copy of yesterday's edition, the print copy of yesterday's edition of USA Today. Now, I don't, I I, I do get tired of Christians saying every newspaper and every news agency is liberal. I do get tired of that. Just because they cover the news in a way that maybe you don't agree doesn't necessarily make it liberal. It just means that maybe a, a different opinion. But OK. So but that's irrelevant. I do agree it's odd that they would dedicate a, a large section of the paper or, or, you know, or a section of the paper going in depth into this story. So what could be the reason why? I, I think that's a good question. Let, let's see what he says here.
0: Weintraub is the author of the article. And the headline sounds more like a scientific journal than USA Today. Ethical questions loom for lab rats with human cells. Now, it just so happens that one of the most influential journals in the world of science, that is the journal Nature, has also run some articles as well as reports on research coming from the lab
1: of Dr. Sergiu Pasca. The journal Nature is what I started with. I do have that. I do have a copy of the journal Nature. I do have that. All right, so that is a very well-respected journal. So that's one of the reasons I went to that because I didn't want someone to say, what what conspiracy website did you get this? Nobody's putting human brain cells into rats. Okay, no, no, it's it's right there. And of course, it's in USA Today, the printed edition from yesterday that I'm still waiting for someone to bring to my door. Come on, guys, what are you doing? Listeners, speed up here. Okay, all right, let's continue.
0: The USA Today report begins this way quote, In Dr. Sergiu Pasca's research lab at Stanford University, the resident rats have clumps of human cells in their brains. Now, listen to this. Frankly, it's really interesting. Quote, blow on a rat's whiskers, and the human cells on the opposite side of its brain light up.
1: What in the world? You blow on the rat's whiskers, and on the opposite side, human brain cells light up. Now, on one hand, I, he says it's interesting. On one hand, to me, I, I understand, I, I do understand using the term interesting, but it's somewhat horrifying to me because one, you got the animal just being used, well, as a, a lab rat, okay? I, I don't even like that term. I understand that animals have to be used in some testing. I, oh, I, but... Just like so we can blow on its whisker to go, look, the human brain cells lit up. That's like using it like a almost like a toy. That's already raising some concerns with me. Already raised concerns with me. Um, Yeah, I. Mm. OK, all right. Well, what what does that tell us <laughs> that you can blow on the whiskers of a rat with human brain cells and the brain cells on the opposite side light up? What is it? What's the big breakthrough from that? All right, let, let's see.
0: Again, let's just hear that sentence. You probably weren't expecting it today on the briefing. Quote, blow on a rat's whiskers, something, by the way, I doubt you have ever done, and the human cells on the opposite side of its brain light up. Now, that really is interesting. Then the article continues, quote, teach a rat that it can get water from a spigot only when its human cells are activated, and it will learn how in about two weeks.
1: It's proof. That's crazy. Basically teach the rat, hey, the only way you're going to get water is if the human brain cells light up. If they, if, if, Until you activate the human brain cells, you're not getting water. And it, within two weeks, it will figure out how to activate the human brain cells. So then it's the human brain cells. Like, what's happening? Is that a rat? Is that a human? What is going on? Not fiction, not a movie, not a TV show. Life right now. On our planet, what is going on?
0: Pasca said, again, this is the researcher, Sergio Pasca, at Stanford University. It's proof, he says, that the human cells have integrated into its brain, that is, into the rat's brain, and are performing
1: an important function. The human brain cells have integrated into the rat's brain cells, so you get this mixture, this hybrid. Now, again, take this craziness and then... Develop it further out until you basically have a human that's part animal, part human. You have a, you have a, well, it wouldn't even be a human. You have a a thing that's part human, part brain. How do we perceive that from a theological perspective? Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not. Gonna, some will say that's never going to happen. The mo- Look, every time I hear new stories about this, and I and and sometimes I'll go down the rabbit hole and try to just you know research everything in regards to these developments, but I mean, obviously, I got to keep my focus on other things. But when you start looking at what's going on, now you got to try to find, you know, good information and not conspiratorial information. Things get concerning of not only where we are, clearly where we're going.
0: But then USA Today, telling us that the research has been published in the journal Nature, tells us that the reports are, quote, both significant and ethically challenging, end quote. Now, that's absolutely right. We're looking at a revolution in human biology and we're looking at biomedical research that, quite frankly, only could have been imagined in the world of science fiction just a matter of a couple of generations ago. Back in the period of the 1960s and into the 1970s, scientists began to be concerned about breakthroughs in medicine that could lead to treatments, experiments, and even routine medical procedures that would clearly violate some of the distinctions that medicine had been making as a profession for a matter of centuries. And again, let me just remind us that many of those distinctions were explicitly based on the distinctions revealed in Scripture. They understood even then that the motive at first would be packaged as the breakthrough in medical treatments that many people are praying for. This would lead to, it is promised, treatments for diseases like Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, many other diseases. Alzheimer's disease is one that's right now, of course, at the forefront. The argument is often made, it's a pragmatic argument, that... If there is even an opportunity for some kind of breakthrough treatment that could come by this kind of research, then we ought to put aside all of our ethical reservations about mixing humans and animals and even the cells of humans and animals, the organs of humans and animals in medical research. We need to put those qualms, those concerns away and find out if this just might produce some kind of productive or effective
1: medical treatment. Now, I want all of those diseases to be cured. I want us to understand those diseases. But again, how far do you go ethically? What's the theological perspective on this? Like, where do we go? And we got to make sure we're consistent because sometimes Christians will say something like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute you know, hey, if if God wanted the diseases to be gone, he would get rid of them. Well, by that logic, then you would never seek medical care for anything because if God didn't want you to have that disease, he would just take care of it. So we know we don't operate from that perspective. So, but then how far do you take it?
0: But of course, that's where Christians have to understand that that kind of utilitarian or pragmatic argument comes with grave moral dangers because if you're going to use that argument, you could use it to justify just about anything. And by the way, the history of medical research in the modern age indicates that someone somewhere is indeed likely to make that very argument, doing things that are clearly unethical. And furthermore, there's another motive. We just have to face this, and that is the profit motive. And that profit motive means that there are billions of dollars being pumped into medical research,
1: because if I got to do this, because I, but I don't want to deviate too far. This same philosophy, pragmatism and profit, you're telling me that same philosophy is not ripe within evangelicalism and within the church? Hey, we're going to do this because it will get more people. Get more people, you get more money. Right? Hey, we're so, Christians are like, man, the celebrity culture within the evangelical church, it's corrupt, it's destroying the church. And then turn around and go, but next month, we're going to have a conference where if you pay $100, you get in and you get to see your favorite speaker. Don't you create the very culture which brings forth the Christian celebrity? And there's money, popularity. The, these philosophies are not just in the medical world or the scientific world, pragmatism and profit, pragmatism and profit. This co- this follows our today's focus about not being spoiled by philosophy. What are some of the, philo- well, pragmatism and profit. So I'm just trying to connect it because I, I want you, I want you to focus on those things we talked about in Colossians 2.8. I, I still want you to answer the questions I gave everyone to answer. So make sure you do that as well, but let's continue
0: you can trademark, if you can get a patent, most particularly, on your particular version of medical research, your product, your treatment, your procedure, well, then you are talking about potential for tens of billions of dollars of revenue for your company, or note this, your institution. That's why so many major American universities are heavily invested in this kind of research, but that also implicates a third rationale, a third motivation we have to watch,
1: and that is the pride of having something named for you. Okay. Pragmatism, profit, and pride. Pragmatism, profit, and pride are kind of the philosophical motivators here, kind of the motivators to, to possibly do some of these things. I'm telling you those three things are ripe and they're alive and well in your life, my life, and in your church and in my church. Pragmatism. Okay, well, if we do this, if we do this, if we do this. Profit. but Money, people, you, you do things for money and then pride because, hey, I know as a pastor, like, I, you know what? When people drive by my church and see my little church or find out how many people are attending a Wednesday night service, that makes me embarrassed and humiliated. If I had more people than my pride. See, that's the, see? I, the, there, there's that motivator and we'll call them kind of philosophies or ways of thinking. Where your thinking is controlled by pragmatism, profit, and pride. Right? Does that I I, I just want I, I I love when we are good at pointing out what the world is doing, but these three things are operating in, in the church as well. But it, it's very much involved in this whole possible rat brain hybrid, right uh rat rat human hybrid situation
0: procedure. In surgery, this is rather common, this procedure or that procedure. It's also common in terms just of the awards that are given. There's a Nobel Prize that is often given for fields related to just this kind of research. So as you're looking at this, you recognize there are all kinds of motivations that come into play. Christians understanding the fallenness of human nature and thus the evidence of human sinfulness, understand that those motivations can often lead us into ethical rationalizations and, frankly, immoral activities. But at the same time, Christians understand that those motivations can also be a rightful part of the dominion mandate, of our response to seeking to manipulate nature in the right way to try to bring about good things, such
1: as irrigating a field that had been dry, now this is important the dominion mandate get five christians together and say what do how do we understand the dominion mandate as given in genesis that man is to have dominion how does that how does that work today what does it look like you get some i think in many cases some disturbing and messed up answers but you, you should probably want to think about that.
0: Or constructing a house in which people can live. Or yes, in one sense, splitting an atom in order to release energy. Medical research can fall in that same category. It's certainly a right and good thing. Just consider this. We should be thankful for the development of modern antibiotics. But at the same time, even when you look at modern antibiotics, all these motivations And all the distinctions that are necessary, they remind us that even those pharmaceuticals are often laden with ethical complexity. Christians need to be the people who understand that it's true and understand why. But as I began, I expressed appreciation to USA Today for giving this prominent reporting in the print edition of their newspaper, because there's a lot of space devoted to this story, about a half page in the print edition, just a little less, And that means that USA Today is taking a risk in bringing this story to the attention of the American people.
1: Okay, I thought it was two pages. I guess a half page? I guess that's not as much as I thought it was. I thought they gave almost two pages. I still want to see it. I still want to see it. Uh, I don't know where I got the two-page number from, but now I'm glad we clarified that.
0: I've also looked at the article as published in the academic journal Nature. And USA Today raises the right issues. For instance, the paper tells us this, quote, brain conditions such as autism and schizophrenia do not naturally occur in rodents, and scans don't reveal enough about human brain cells in action, so they aren't well understood or treated. Fascinating line comes from Dr. Pasca. He said this, quote, the human brain has certainly not been very accessible, which has precluded the progress, end quote. He means progress in medical research. But you know, there's really something to that. There's something deeply biblical, whether he recognizes it or not, to understanding that the human brain is not really accessible. Now, he means accessible to medical research, and we understand why that's true in ethical terms. But it's also beyond our understanding. The human being is in the end and always will be to a considerable extent. We are a mystery to ourselves. Dr. Pasca went on to explain, quote, building human models that are not invasive of the human brain is one of the most promising avenues in trying to tackle these conditions, end quote. Now, at face value, Christians operating from a biblical worldview can understand and even concede part of his point. We can't invade the human brain the way it is ethical to conduct research upon lab rats or rodents, But the reason this is a news article, and the reason why there's a headline in this case, is because we're not just talking about experiments on the brains of rats. We're talking about experiments in which human brain cells are being put into rats, and with effect. Now, by the way, even before we get to the cells, and before we get to the rat, much less blowing on the rat's whiskers, the reality is that just the use of the term stem cells It reminds us of the fact that even the derivation of these cells is often unethical from the viewpoint of scriptural Christianity. Because in so many cases, it really means creating a human embryo in order to remove the stem cells, which destroys the human embryo.
1: And that's where you really have an issue. You create the embryo, you create it, then take the stem cells, then create, then destroy the embryo. Now, whenever you hear stem cells, you have to figure out exactly where they came from How they, because there's always controversy, there was controversy about COVID vaccines and this, and we have many uh, podcast episodes dealing with some of those controversies and trying to get to the bottom and trying to understand exactly how that works and the ethical questions. But there's no question, if you create an embryo, take the stem cell, then destroy it, that, that it was created specifically for the purpose of taking it, then destroying it, that raises serious ethical issues as well before we even take the, the stem cell, the human brain cells, and then place it inside a rat.
0: Just consider what that means from a pro-life Christian biblical ethic. But that issue is not even raised here. The issue of stem cells is cited as required for this research, but the big issue is the development of what has classically been called a chimera. Now, as you think about ancient Greek mythology, think of the centaur and understand that a chimera is a human-animal hybrid. Now, of course, it was entirely imaginary back in the classical age. It really does require the development of something like modern embryology and stem cell research to make this possible. And, of course, this isn't by means of some kind of reproduction. This is by the means of scientifically inserting human brain cells into the developing brain of a rat, That gets us back to the brain and the whiskers. Now, one of the things we need to watch here is that we will see the claim made repeatedly that this kind of research is being carried out only under the strictest of rules and adequate supervision and protections put in place. We are, after all, talking about an institution with the kind of reputation that is invoked with the words Stanford University. But at the same time, here's where we need to understand that in so many of these areas of scientific research, it's basically the scientists who are self-policing. They're coming up with their own ethical boundaries and guidelines. And we simply need to note they
1: have changed radically over the course of the last several decades. Because human ethics always change, always in flux, always evolving, always. That's that's just the way it works. That's the way it works. Remember, Christianity, we're supposed to operate from a, a set, a, a concrete kind of ethic, which is obviously the Bible.
0: What a previous decade of scientists said, that would be clearly unethical. Well, it's being conducted now. What was science fiction in the past is now modern medical or biomedical research. There's something else for us to watch. Just a few months ago in the briefing, we talked about the fact that a Chinese doctor had carried out research that clearly broke all of the rules, in this case, actually leading to the birth of a human baby. And of course, when you're dealing with that, you're dealing with breaking rules in virtually every
1: country. And by the way, that included even China. See, so people, it involved the birth of a baby. And if I remember, it was genetically modified. That, that, it, it, there were things happening there. So, but it broke all the rules. Still happened. The, the rules are not going to stop these advancements. The rules are not going to stop this. I'm telling you, I, I don't know where things are going. I've been saying this for, I feel like I've been saying this for 15 years. And every year it seems something else happens. And everybody's like, oh, what in the world is going on? Right? But And we know what happened to that scientist in China. Well, we don't because he disappeared.
0: And the scientist, China being China, was not so much brought up on investigation as disappeared. And that leads to another horrifying argument that you need to be ready for. The argument is like this. If we don't conduct this research here under the tightest conditions of ethical consideration and oversight, then it's going to be done elsewhere without that kind of consideration and oversight. What's not often said is that there are Western companies saying, look, if we don't do this first and get it patented, someone else somewhere else will. The USA Today article tells us that in his research, Dr. Pasca quote, inserts clumps of human brain cells. He calls them organoids or assembloids into a rat brain. About one third of the mouse cortex consists of human cells. By using cells from typical brains in some rats and cells from people with brain conditions into others, he can see what's different. Now, again, we just need to note what's going on here. We're talking about something like a third of the rat's brain cells now being human cells. There you have a chimera, a human-animal combination. And you might say, well, you're just talking about a few brain cells or a few thousand brain cells. You're not talking about something that's going to look like a human-rat combination. But that's the point, isn't it? Now, at the level of stem cell research and this level of biomedical research, you are looking at the fact that you might not recognize a chimera when you see one. That raises another fundamental issue. It is not articulated this way in the USA Today research, but it is elsewhere. The question is this. Just what percentage of a brain must consist of human brain
1: cells before that is a human brain? And that is a super important question. And that's what all this comes down to. Well, at what point do you say, well, that's a human brain. And if it's a human brain, what does that mean? Like, how do I even understand that theologically? How do I understand that biblically? Well, it's a rat, but it has a human brain. Like, like I, I don't even know if I have the categories to even try to process that or take that even apart.
0: Well, about 35%. 40%? What about 70%? What if the majority of the rat's brain is made up of human brain cells? Is that now a rat or is it a human being? Is it a rodent or is it a man or a woman? Near the conclusion of the USA Today article, the issue of the insertion of human brain cells into other forms of animals is raised. Now, for example, Dr. Pasca says that he thinks it would be wrong to transfer human brain cells obtained by stem cell research into the brains of a primate. Why? Because the primate is so much more similar to us genetically. As you're looking at something like
1: a gorilla or an orangutan, just, Okay, not trying to be funny, but when I start hearing that, I go straight, Planet of the Apes, okay, I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not not trying to make light of it, but yeah, the thought of that just like that's terrifying if you ever saw the original Planet of the Apes and all the variations after like that i dads what now I, I he says it's wrong, but I'm telling you the fact that it's even discussed someone somewhere is going to try to do it i you are you somewhere? It's going to occur. Consider the fact that if you're talking about putting human brain
0: cells in that kind of animal, you're getting closer, at least the way scientists count it, to the human species. Now, of course, we as Christians understand there is still an absolute distinction between human beings and every other species. We understand that genetically there's much more overlap between human beings and primates than between human beings and rodents. But you'll notice that here, Dr. Pasca, who insists that he's been conducting this research for years, combining human brain cells and the brain cells of rodents. He says that's acceptable, but he says he thinks an ethical boundary would be crossed if the brain cells were put into another species, particularly a primate. So here's the issue Christians understand. Well, just how long do you think researchers are going to hold back because of Dr. Poska's concern here? Someone's going to make the very same argument he's making now to justify doing the very research he says shouldn't be done. Now, this raises an issue as we conclude this section of the briefing, our consideration of this issue. We just need to remind ourselves that the Christian worldview does actually make distinctions in such a way that it is absolutely necessary at times to say we just can't do that kind of research. We hope for treatments for those diseases. We hope for all kinds of new medical procedures and treatments to be developed, but not by any means possible. And we just have to recognize that supposedly modern Western medical ethics came face to face with that fact in the Nazi medical experiments, which, after all, were not entirely unproductive, and said, look, there are certain lines we can't cross, But one of the facts we see right now is that in medical research, and in this sense, it's just a parable of human life, isn't it? In medical research, there are so many motivations, there's so many reasons to say, okay, that is a line we won't cross, and then come back rather shortly and say, okay, let's redraw that line, then let's redraw it again. And before you know it, you are looking at the fact that you're not blowing on the whiskers of a rat, but we're talking about research of an entirely different
1: category. Or is it? But now we're going to talk about how moral change. There you have it. I would challenge you to listen to the rest of that episode of The Briefing with Dr. Albert Mohler. See what else he's going to have to say. And uh, you can find that again, Sermons 2.0 app. I would just point you right there or any podcast app, The Briefing. Uh, but if you, if you use Sermons 2.0, why wouldn't you just follow it and it'd be right there in your feed every time you open it up. So um, I would challenge you to do that. I I wish I had something profound to say, other than not only have we already entered into a brave new world, we don't even know what's coming down the line in the future. But biblical distinctions. I, I would challenge us to look at these kind of philosophical motivations. That we that we talked about. I'm dropping my pencil. Pragmatism, profit, and pride. Pragmatism, profit, and pride. I wrote I wrote this down in my journal while I was listening to that. And uh, well, I would I would challenge you to think about those things uh, today because it fits perfectly with our today's focus. Right, Colossians two eight. Don't be spoiled by philosophy or through philosophy. Well. Those are the kinds of philosophies that can enter even into the church, into the life of believers. And it's right there operating in the world of medical research where human brain cells have been placed inside rats. We end up with a rat, rat-human rat hybrid. Major ethical issues. I thought I would bring this to your attention today. I'd love to get your thoughts on all of this. If you do come up with a copy of USA Today from yesterday, I would like, a. it should be easy to get a screenshot because it appears it's half a page. Um, I guess typically in the newspaper, wow, well, yeah, I don't know how to, like how much space does that actually, like how do I understand that? It's how, how much significant, how much significance they gave it. I think that, that's a pretty good significance. But if you get it, I would like a screenshot of it because I would like to know exactly what was said in that paper because uh, everyone is making at least a big deal that they covered it. So, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Clearly, as the world changes, we're going to have to work even harder to maintain a biblical and theological perspective. Thanks for listening. God bless.